Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of TPA Tidbits, a Sentinel Pension podcast. My name is Melissa Torito, and I am the host and creator of this podcast. And today we have on, I would say, one of my friends now. We're at friend status. JJ McKinney. Agree, yeah. <laughs> JJ McKinney. Uh, he is a fellow TPA that we have met at uh, probably ASPA annual several times now. I'm not exactly sure when our first introduction was, but uh, we're going to just kind of talk about some um, TPA talk, selling, and what happens this time of the year, uh, especially in terms of adopting um, plans. So, JJ, thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. I am I'm really glad to be here. And you know, I was kind of thinking about that when when we probably met. I know it was at Aspa Annual, but how long have you been going? This little factoid. I don't remember. Maybe 10 years. Okay, so we we probably met in the 2013-14-15 range, I would bet. I've been going since 2000. I think I've missed it twice since 2000. So I've been going for a few years. Anyway, so you know, what would we like to talk about? Uh, TPAs are a hot item these mm-hmm. days. Um, I I don't know about you, but we get calls from a lot of these record keepers who are you know, technically fintech companies that thought they could do everything with technology and quickly realize that plans can become a mess very quickly. And therefore a TPA or a third party administrator or an ERISA consultant, whatever we want to call ourselves. I think TPA is not the best term, but people know it. Yeah. Well, sometimes I did, yeah. I do feel like when I say TPA, sometimes I get, I, people will interpret that as the TPA for their welfare benefit plan or health insurance plan. And I'm like, no, no, not, that is not in my area of expertise at all. Um, But yeah, I agree. We do get a lot of calls. I would say that we end up getting calls in terms of, oops, we figured out we messed something up because we set the plan up correctly and now we need to go back and fix it. So let's talk a little bit though, JJ, you know, specifically, what is your role at your firm and, you know, kind of what is your background? Like how I always want to know, like, how did people get into this? Yeah. Uh, Well, let's, let's do a little history. So I I started in the industry in 1998 uh, before Getting into the industry, I was a middle school Spanish teacher. Oh. And if you've ever read Dante's Inferno, I think middle school foreign language is probably one of the levels in hell um, that Dante writes about in his epic poem. So as soon as I could get out of that, I actually did, um, but not before finding my way into this industry. So I ended up getting married the the day after school let out and had the summer off which was that was kind of a perk of teaching and I needed to make a little extra money so went through a temp agency and the temp agency sent me to a company called the 401k company and my intro to the industry was stuffing enrollment packets for a very large client that they had just acquired And 
in conversation because we were literally walking around a conference room table stuffing enrollment packets with all the different you know forms and little glossy sheets that were going into these packets i uh, mentioned that i was because i was still a spanish teacher um and and about five minutes later somebody had me in an interview asking me if i could speak spanish so uh, the 401k company was a fully bundled provider including advisory so it was you know, consultants would bring plans to the 401k company, jumbo 401k plans. So my entry into the industry was very atypical and not the TPA world that I ended up in around 2002 and um, joined a firm at the time called Retirement Services. We renamed it Retirement Strategies. I know we are very creative with our nomenclature in the TPA world, uh, but, you know, we, it, it stopped us from having to change the embroidery. So we had, you know, RSI remain RSI. Uh, so we we built that business over, uh, you know, period uh, and sold it in 2017. And then um, I worked for the company that bought us for a few years and decided that really wasn't the place for me. And I had a period where I was out of the industry as far as work was concerned. Uh, but fortunately, was still involved with ASPA, so you know, got to stay involved. And now I am with a firm called EGPS, Economic Group Pension Services, which has actually been around since pre-ERISA, 1971. Wow. And uh, But they started acquiring firms somewhere in the teens, 2014, 2015, something like that. Um, so our flagship office, though, in New York and had been there, has been there since 1971, uh, we, we are now spread out across the country, uh, closing in on about 200 employees. I am the director of sales, so I run our sales team, pretty decent sized sales team. We've got 14 external and um, four internal. Okay. And uh, and. You know, just just helping you know grow an enterprise, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's uh, it's got many many challenges, as you can imagine. You know, thinking of you know how do we engage technology going forward? Um, the rules change, and they have been changing dra- dramatically I mean, ever since I went came into the industry. I mean, we had um, you know, like. I was in, came in in 98. Um, we like entered into a big change in, you know, the early 2000s, another one in, you know, PPA in 2006. And, and we had EGTRA and all these, you know, fun acronyms. So we're always adapting to those changes. And I think one of the more challenging ones most recently, which sounded like a great idea, like awesome idea was the whole retroactive plan. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like a great idea because a lot of us, especially if you were getting into selling defined benefit plans, which I launched our defined benefit, mostly cash balance practice at, at our own firm back in 2007, after the Pension Protection Act passed, you were tired of writing plan documents and setting up plans between Christmas and New Year's, right? I mean, it was, 
you know, you had a week of, I am just like cramming documents and sending them off for signature so they can be signed before December 31st. So it was like, wow, man, if we could push this off a little bit into the next year, that would be awesome. Well, you know, just replace December 31st with, you know, August, September. Yeah, yeah pick the your, down the road. Yeah, pick, pick your summer month when you're sitting on the beach and you'd rather be like, relaxing and having cocktails with little tchotchkes in them, you know, and, <laughs> and now you're, you're having to write plan documents and it's not that I'm doing it, but, you know, we're having to push things through and make sure our onboarding team is not overwhelmed and you're assigning plans to people who normally would be able to plan out their year back in January based on the book of clients that they have. So, so it's it's a new challenge. It's, it is it is fun. It makes summer a selling season, which it kind of wasn't in the past. Um, in fact, it's really disrupted the selling season. I mean, we, we, we see big pushes at certain times of the year. And then, am I talking too much? Because I, I, I might be like going overboard, but you got the state plans, right? Like Cal Savers and Illinois Saves. I don't know what they're all called, but you got all these state plans. And no matter if your state has one or not, it's it's like in the news. All of a sudden, like retirement is majorly in the news. You know, maybe that's because we have an aging population or something. Um, but it it's important. We we need people to save for retirement. Well, what it's started is a flood of startup plans. Yep. And um, so in the states where they do have deadlines and requirements, you know, you just get a massive wave. Um, Cal Savers, for example, June was insane for our uh, California sales consultants. Um, but we're, we're filling it around the country, even if our states aren't actively pursuing a state-run plan or state IRAs because it's out there. It's in the news. People just, you know, you don't necessarily pay attention to the details of the news. You see, oh, the, you, know, you might have a requirement to start a retirement plan. And as an employer, like, shoot, I don't want my money going to the state. So I want to set up a retirement plan. And therefore you get calls about these things. Yeah. So let me let let me interrupt just a little bit and kind of explain to our audience about that. You know, depending on who's listening, about the retroactive rule because I was with you whenever it came out. I was like, huh, that's actually like could be very beneficial for someone that maybe didn't necessarily know what their tax liability was going to be, you know, or just couldn't get it together before the end of the year. And one of my tax partners was like, I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> and I was like, why? And he was like, because now everybody's going to just wait till the last yeah. minute and, and put up a plan. So basically prior to, I think that rule was, because there's been lots of pieces of legislation. I'm pretty sure that was part of the Secure Act. Yep. Okay. Yes. And the um, not to be confused with the other Secure Act that's probably going to pass yeah. before the end of the year. So the the OG Secure Act. OG, um, I like that. The OG Secure Act, and so it allowed businesses to retroactively adopt. I'm going to say profit sharing, you know, type plans. Like you can't, I couldn't retroactively adopt 401k, but you could retroactively adopt the uh, profit sharing. I'm um, just to put it simply 
after the end of the year, where before what you were saying, you had to have a legal document signed, executed before December 31st. And that's why JJ was saying, you know, really, I kind of feel like it's like right after Thanksgiving for us. I don't know if it's like the South, like everybody's like, oh, that's right. And like, even now that people don't like that need to start a 401k plan. It's like, I'm not doing any sort of active selling right now because I don't have time to, because people are just calling us constantly about that. So I'm with you. I definitely think it's beneficial for those business owners, especially like the solo case or the small businesses where it's really attractive for them that they weren't able to really figure it out or they didn't do any sort of tax planning. But yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on us little TPAs to try to get some documents out and like explain to them also like this is this has to be done before you fund it, you know, so um, yeah, and it also creates a little bit of a challenges in terms of tracking, right? So I'll tell you, JJ, I don't know. So JJ, you reside in Georgia, correct? Yes. Okay. Were you guys affected by Hurricane Ida last year at all? No, no, we weren't. So we were. Hurricane Ida hit us and we were kind of shut down for about a week. And then that granted us a special, special extension of the 5500s to February of 2022 to file 2020 returns. I was... From January 1 to February 15th, I was like living in a state of confusion. Like, what year am I? Like, some some clients like got us their 2020 and 21 stuff all at the same time. And we did it all at the same time. It was very confusing. But you're right. Those administrators that are kind of like, okay, here's my, here's my block. Here's what I need to do. You know, all of a sudden it's like, okay, well that, oh, they retroactively did it. Okay. I don't need to file that 5,500, but I need to make sure that I do it. I don't know. It's very confusing as I'm rambling on here. So also, Jada, did you know I was a teacher? You know, I, I think we've talked about that before, but I, I don't know. I, I'd forgotten. So, you know what I figured so. out? Teachers make really good TPAs. <laughs> that I, I, I think that's true. And, um, you know, you know, Sarah Semino. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one thing that she gave us advice, she's like, when you're having a hard time finding people, go get math teachers. To... I have two of them working for me and I was a math teacher. Oh, well, that, that that's even better. <laughs> yeah. Well, a teacher by nature is a self-starter. Right? You, you basically have autonomous control over these little minds. Some of them, you know, not as well behaved as others in this, this classroom. I mean, you're, you're, you are, you know, yes, you might have a curriculum that the district or the school requires that you, you know, put forth, but the manner in which you teach it, you know, how you supplement that material, it's it's really all up to you. And so uh, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Being able to uh, shift and move and, and make changes, uh, that's, that's a quality that a teacher has and a TPA must have. Because uh, <clears throat> again, we're we're subject to the laws and they change. And you know, I often you know try to try to lay out this framework for employers when they wonder why this stuff is so crazy. And you know, I start with okay, well, let's let's just you know, look at it from a big, broad perspective. 
um, we have two government, actually three government agencies that oversee our um, industry, you know, because it's an employee benefit. You've got the Department of Labor because mm-hmm. it's a tax benefit. You've got the IRS mm-hmm. and we get this other little PBGC that, you know, deals with some but not all uh, defined benefit plans. <clears throat> and then to complicate matters even more, when you look at Congress in the two houses, we've got, it used to be two committees in each that, you know, ran the, the legislation for our industry or, or put forth law changes for our industry. Now, I think it's like three and two. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I don't even know off the top of my head. Um, but when you throw all of that and the fact that we do have, I don't even know if you'd call it a retirement crisis, but you have a general savings crisis in in our country. Um, we're very good at spending. We are awesome at spending, but the whole saving thing is, is a little tough on us. Um, and once the constituents start offering that up, uh, it just gives us this wonderful job security, but you also have the lawmaker's mind at how to solve that. And, you know, our industry does a fantastic job of, you know, lobbying and educating on how these laws must be written. And, and in fact, you know, a lot of them are written purely based on our recommendations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but occasionally we, we, you know, sort of make some decisions like the retroactive plans, which I, again, I, I think ultimately is good. Um, it, the concept, the, the concept, concept is, is very beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> but it, in practice, it it just kicks the can down the road. Just you know, just like disaster relief, um, all those extensions are you know wonderful in theory, but again, it just means that we have yet another deadline mm-hmm. because our clients aren't all in the same place. So I'm a, you know what? So this time of year, I can't even tell you, actually, I talked to somebody yesterday and I was like, I don't know, maybe I black out every year from Thanksgiving to December. And then it comes around. I'm like, Oh, that's right. I'm not really going to yeah. take time off. Like, whoops, what was I thinking? But I do feel like, you know, so we're part of a CPA firm. So most people, you know, and, and most clients know, like when you're in, when you're doing something with the IRS or department of labor, you have deadlines and they kind of know you have a busier season, but I get, I, I always get this, this time of year. And it's like, Oh, Melissa, have y'all slowed down? And I'm like, no, no, we don't, we do. Yeah. There is never like the fact that for, for, I always tell people that join our team, I'm like, look, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to be a realist. Okay. <laughs> like if you want to do, like if you are, if you want to challenge and if you want to always have something to do, you know, and like within reason, you know, I don't, we don't kill our team members here, but it is an intense day. I always, I'm like, yeah. it's intense. Like you're fielding like random questions and, you know, advisor calls and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm like, no, I'm busier today than I was in like February. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, so. Well, and you know, something I thought was great at the, the ASPA annual conference is they put a spotlight on mental health and, you know, I, I was thinking about it. I'm not in administration anymore. I'm in sales and sales. You're, 
you're, you're never really in an office, but you have a lot of interaction because you get out and see people. Um, but something that was nice during the busy compliance season was that, yes, our office was extremely quiet because everyone was just you know, focused. But if if you had a question, you got up, you walked into somebody else, else's office, you chewed on it together for a little bit, and then you go back to your office and you, you keep working. Um, there's something comforting about that, just being able to get up and walk into someone else's office. And, and now, I mean, for our company, we're all working from home because you know, mm-hmm. we're spread out all over the place. And so no one really, we have offices, but for the most part, nobody goes into them. And, you know, how, how do you make sure that that person sitting there, you know, struggling with whatever is comfortable, like popping on a Zoom meeting and, and calling their colleague or picking up the phone and calling their colleague? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, that that's, that's a, a management uh, situation that I don't necessarily have to deal with because my team is you know, able to get out and meet advisors and CPAs and, and you know, kind of get out with their referral sources. And they get to do it based on you know, whatever they want to do. You know, if they want to stay and have an office stay and work from home, that's great. If they have a few days where they're going to be out and traveling, that's great. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. I mean, I don't know how, like, I guess you're probably back in the office um, for the most part. Um, but I, you know, that, that is a real challenge to tackle because, uh, that interaction is important. Yeah. So we actually kind of sidebarring here, we have, um, you know, since COVID, you know, so our firm was kind of, you know, pretty traditional in terms of people came to the office. Our hours are pretty flexible, you know, like I don't walk around and tell people when they need to be here. Um, we did have some fully remote individuals and we did that pre COVID. Um, honestly, I, we were kind of running out of office space and there were people that were good candidates for it. And then it was, it's a great benefit because I have someone on my team that's working in Tennessee and she's been with me for more than five years. And when she was like, well, I'm moving and I might, you know, I'm like, no, no, you don't, no, don't leave. You can work remote. Please do. <laughs> like We can make this work or whatever. But what we have found challenging and I personally, from a leadership perspective is our hybrid remote. Uh, employees. So we have granted that in terms of, we know that it's a need. We know that there's some, that we, we want people to feel like they have some flexibility. And the challenge for me isn't, I'm not worried about people working. You know, we have a really good team. It's just, how do you manage that type of schedule? You know, we're like, I don't know how it is. We're in Georgia, like Louisiana, like people, even during COVID were like, we still want to meet in person yeah. because we're the South and that's what, yeah. that's our culture, you know? And so how do you kind of, how do you uh, manage that? And even the fully remote folks, I would say that, you know, when you have people in the office and people out of the office, which, what you said, human nature is I'm going to get up and go talk to Lainey about something. I know I could teams message her, but she's here. Right. And so it's a con to me, it's, it's a constant, you know, uh, challenge so that those remote individuals don't start working in a silo and don't feel like they're on an Island with absolutely no support. So, you know, I think that definitely is a challenge and just kind of keeping up with everything. Um, it is, um, it is definitely like when I started this over 13 years ago, 
my boss at the time, um, who was managing partner of the firm said like you, your brain will hurt and you will never have a day that you're like, I know everything. Cause you never will. And I was like, whatever, I'm smart. I, was, I did math, you know? Um, so I did want to talk really quick that again, I feel like we've covered a lot of different topics, but they're all interesting to me. One of the, something that I personally find fascinating and geeky is ARA and their involvement with the, like the legislation and Congress and all of that, you know, it's, I just, I feel like, and, and this would be a conversation more for like new TPAs. It's like, when you get into this industry, you're just really trying to figure out like, what are you doing on a daily basis? So you don't mess anything up, but you're not really thinking about, at least, I mean, I wasn't like, where did these rules come from? You know, I'm just trying to learn the rules. And so when you go to ASPA or any of those conferences and you get to talk to the ARA uh, employees and Brian Graff, it's like, oh, that's how it happens, you know? And you probably have a lot more involvement with that than what I do. Um, I'm just kind of like getting involved (laughs) in ASPA. (laughs) Yeah, why? I volunteered for a number of years uh, and chaired the political action committee uh, you know, which was mostly raising money. I've never actually lobbied because I'm not an attorney or anything like that. Um, and, you know, I, I can't even remember the last time we, we made a trip to the Hill uh, where, you know, you sit down usually with a staffer and yep. you're educating them on retirement plan policy. But, you know, a few things, you know, working with Brian Graff, you learn, I mean, so much, but probably the, the main thing is that our message has to be consistent. So we, we have, you know, when, when new legislation's coming out or we see a threat coming, when we go to either combat that threat or shape the policy, we, we have to be able to draw a pretty straight line from the message we gave last year or two years ago or 10 years ago to the message we're delivering now. Otherwise, we look flaky. Right. Um, and so there there are things, and I wish I had an example off the top of my head, but you know, there are things where we, uh, I think, may, I, I wouldn't say necessarily compromise, but we had to lean in on something that maybe wasn't a favored change or yeah. you know, something that was going to be a result that wasn't exactly what we wanted, but it was consistent with our message all the way down the line. And, and that's something that's been incredible to watch. Uh, and, and really it kind of, when you ask that question, you know, how do these laws, you know, come to be the way they are? Um, you know, it's funny, we've been I don't even know how many years we've been fighting the top heavy rules. And that's just, that's just something that's not negotiable. They're, they're not, they're not, you know, breaking from uh, those top heavy rules and, but we'll continue that fight, right. Um, No matter what's, what's going on. Uh, But we do have to remain consistent that we are uh, supporting the, the savings for the American worker. We are, you know, we're there for the American worker and we know that the workplace retirement plan is the most successful means for people to save for retirement. Um, 
so I, don't, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a, a commercial or anything, uh, but it's, it, it is cool. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool to see you know, quote unquote, how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the, the more you can get involved uh, you, you know, one thing that's been not real clear to a lot of people about like our political political action committee is that um, all the money that goes to the PAC uh, essentially is dollar for dollar it goes to influence our message to lawmakers. Mm-hmm. Um, they the the lobbyists for ARA use those funds to basically get in the door to have those conversations. And um, another thing that people need to understand is that it's not something uh, when I used to, you know, ask people for contributions, they'd be like, oh, yeah, like if, if, if it was one of your um, you know, employees or colleagues, mm-hmm. they might say, oh, well, Melissa takes care of that. Right. Well, no, Melissa gives money for Melissa. You know, everybody needs to give for themselves, uh, you know, call it job security insurance uh, because you know essentially if you look back at how our industries changed yes we have you know in the day-to-day hand-to-hand combat we do end up with a lot of headaches around all these deadlines and things like that um, but again like you sell to your you know prospective employee you're not going to have a dull day in this industry. You're you're gonna be busy. You're gonna need to problem solve. You're you're gonna need to use some math skills, communication skills. You know, if you really are engaged in this industry, you will learn how to interact with people through good times and bad times, right? Because you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have clients where you're delivering bad news, mm-hmm. and you got to know how to do it. And you're gonna have clients who are delivering very confusing information maybe it's not good bad or indifferent but the way you say it can send them off or calm them down right yeah Um, yeah Yeah, there's definitely it's a I don't know there's just no I I never know what to expect on a day other than what's actually on my calendar you know um but I think that's one of the reasons why I enjoy it and I kind of joke with people you know our CPA firm here we offer your traditional CPA services and so like I apply for and I, I don't know what position it really was. I think it was actually in our client accounting, which might've been a good fit, but I definitely would not have been a good fit for tax. I was yeah. like, I won't think, I don't know if I'd still be here. That just, this is a really good fit for me. And one of the things JJ, as we wrap up is, and I tell people this a lot, especially clients, you know, because they'll say, God, Melissa, I know you told me this before, but this is very confusing. And I say, look, I'll be honest. I've been doing this for 13 years. JJ, you've been doing this for longer. Like, it's more confusing now than it's ever been. There's more rules. There's more changes. There's, you know, people I do find, um, especially the younger generation coming out of college. They're more, I'm not going to say more educated. They're more aware of benefits that employers are offering. And that is becoming known to the baby boomers that might be retiring or passing down their business to those 40, 50 year olds that, It was important to them, but I can't tell you how many startup plans we have set up because somebody is trying to recruit 
some, you know, a management and they're like, we have to have a 401k plan. Like they want to put in the maximum and we can't have a simple, you know? So, um, I think it's just, you're right. It's job security. I tell the team that too. I'm like, it might be, you might have some challenging days, frustrating days, but it also like, and this is where I feel like only TP, this is why I love going to ask for annual because all we do is talk this for five days. I mean, at a bar, we talk about cross testing. Like people and Patrick's like, my husband's like, you are such a nerd. But one of the things I really enjoy about it is, and this is, um, full disclosure, it's going to make me sound super nerdy. We run an illustration for a prospective client and it just comes out so pretty. (laughs) (laughs) It's great for the business owner. It's great for the employees. And it's a no brainer why you need to start this plan and use a TPA. So, um, you know, that's, we probably lost some people in this, uh, this talk, but I will say for those TPAs that are listening, I have, you know, really gotten a lot out of being involved with ASPA. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, like the, the technical content is definitely a necessity, but I had somebody from my team come with me this year. And I said, look, you also get a lot out of meeting these TPAs across the country. And yeah, we might be competitors, but we all know there's enough business and enough, yeah. enough stuff to go yeah. around, you know? And so I just always encourage people to go to that conference. It's a big conference and it can be intimidating, um, but I've gotten a lot out of it. I mean, I never would have met you, JJ, if I wouldn't yeah. have gone to ASPA. Well, and honestly, once you're at a certain point where you're, you're educating yourself along the way. Uh, the the real benefit, and I think you hit on it, is is those side conversations with your peers. Uh, one, you kind of come together and realize, okay, we we are all battling the same little demons out there. Um, but it, you know, you also learn, hey, okay, so you are doing this, cool. Like we we could probably implement that at our firm. Yeah. Um, so you get get all kinds of good information and you can sit in a bar and have a conversation for an hour and a half and really dig into some details. Whereas, you know, if you're sitting in a session, you're probably kind of zoning in and out and honestly probably checking some email while you're sitting Never in a in session. Never in one of your sessions though, <laughs> no, of course Yours not. very no. entertaining. <laughs> I didn't even get to see you speak this year because I was running around all over the place. Oh yeah. Well, you're, you're, very busy. Yeah, I just spoke every single day too. Like I was. We made you do that. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, it was it was fun. You know, um, but but yeah, you know, you gotta like, you gotta have some energy to make it through that conference to begin with. If you're speaking, you gotta like take it up a notch, and it, 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 it. I mean, it's it's a great conference. Like I said, I think I've only missed it once or twice in twenty plus years, and. Um, most of it is the benefit comes from like meeting people like you, Melissa, and having conversations about how we run our businesses and what's frustrating now. What's, yeah. what's, what do we see coming up? Cause we're talking a lot about that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I found too, that everyone, every, it's kind of like its own little community for lack of better words. And it's no one, you know, if I've gone to the conference and I'm like, oh, well, somebody mentioned this, I want to follow back up. Like everyone is more than willing to jump on a zoom call and, you know, oh, this is what we're doing. This is how we can help. So I wouldn't be 
I wouldn't be where I am, honestly, without my connections at ASPA sure. because I am part of a traditional CPA firm. And while I have business partners, they're not TPAs, you know, they know we're profitable. Yeah. That's not it, you know, yeah. so like, to talk to them about something really technical there, they would kind of be like, oh, this is what I think. But, you know, so that's been super beneficial. So, JJ, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up of our TPA tidbits. Thank you for being here. And just really quick, how can people find you? LinkedIn, website, what's the best way if they're interested in learning more about JJ and y'all's business? Yeah, probably start with LinkedIn. Um, look me up on LinkedIn. I, you know, if as long as you're not like trying to sell me something I don't want, I'll probably connect with you. Um, and I, I do try to be good about even connecting with people who might be just out there fishing. If it looks like they have a, a, a good product that I should at least take a look at, I'll, I'll usually connect with them and, and set up a call or whatever. So yeah, no, I'd love to, to talk to anyone. Yeah. Okay. Thanks JJ. And thanks everyone. 